Hello and welcome to Excess of Everything, a show about two girls and their excessive consumption of media. I am Scarlett Curtis, writer, activist and person who just got caught in a rainstone. Rainstorm. <laughs> I'm Grace Campbell, um, person who also just got caught in a rainstorm, comedian, writer. I was just swimming in the like torrential rain. It was so dramatic. Oh my god, I, we were in the sea and as we got out of the sea it started to chuck it down. Oof. Um, each week we check in to recap the latest episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and catch up about what we've been watching, loving, hating. Yeah, consuming, bitching about, following, unfollowing, all all that, you know. All that. Gracie, how was your week? My week was fine. My week has been, you know, just discovering things about myself, just self-soothing my mental health, um, getting used to a new version of my life. I feel like Saturn's return. My world is changing a lot. My life's changing a lot. So I've just been tired. (laughs) How's your week? It's been okay. I think we've both had pretty shitty mental health weeks um but yeah it's been fine I um I actually have some real housewives drama happening in my village that I wanted to talk about I live in a very small village in Suffolk where I spent most of the year and I'm back here now and there's this lady here I know everyone in the village and it's very nice, but there's this lady here who last year screamed at me twice in a way that like I've never been screamed at before. Um, It was fully mad. And now since Betty went missing, I've become like a kind of village celebrity and so has Betty. And everyone knows us because everyone was looking for her when she was missing. And this lady's now trying to be friends with me and talk to me. And I don't know. Every time she talks to me, I kind of can't look her in the eye because I'm so scarred by her screaming at me. But she doesn't remember that. But why I'm did she scream that... at you? She screamed at me twice. Once I like it was when we were walking on a bridge and we both started walking on at the same time and she wanted me to get off it because of social distancing I guess and then as she walked past me she went some people are so fucking stupid like so scary and then she screamed at me because I was trying to drive into the car park and she was like the car park is fucking full um Anyway, I feel like I should address her in like a real, I think Real Housewives is the main hate thing. I need to address her, but it's been quite dramatic. <laughs> what? I mean, the thing is, is like, is she old? Yeah, she's very old. Is she a grumpy old lady? Like, that's the thing. There's so many of them in my area. And like, there was this one woman the other day, I actually got in a massive fight with her on Hampstead Heath. Um, she started screaming at me because Sky, the dog, was like going up to her picnic and she was like, get your fucking dog away from my picnic. And I was like, <laughs> honey, if you're going to come to a public park to have a picnic, you have to accept that like dog's going to come up and eat your picnic. Otherwise, find somewhere else to go. Like, sorry that she wants to eat your fucking kettle chips. And then we got in this huge screaming fight. And her son, who was like in his 50s, was obviously so embarrassed. And he was going, mum, stop it. Because I was like not backing down. I was like, you're a posh old lady. You definitely have a garden. Like, go back to your garden if you're going to shout at me like that. 
there's this like type of like screaming old lady where it's just like oh my god you must like not spend enough time around people to like know, be socialized thing, enough no but the thing with this lady is she is a village celebrity like everyone in the village loves her everyone thinks she's so nice everyone she's like properly in the she's one of the like top tier village members and I feel like I've seen this other side of her which is that she's horrible well maybe you should expose her I think maybe, maybe I you should. should put it on one of the like village groups you know anon yeah but just yeah. say like unlike all of you I've had some really bad experiences with this woman that have left me with a certain amount of like trauma from being around this village so like she's well, not like- all nice I am also Nextdoor app famous in my village because I do really good posts on Nextdoor, so maybe I'll do a Nextdoor post. Yeah, do it anon, though. So I want to basically, I have felt really, um, in such a way, okay, so I feel like basically at the moment, I've just turned 27, all of my like best friends from school have also just turned 27, and everyone is very split in that suddenly the fantasies that people are creating about having children are insane to me and it's actually gotten to a point where like I was with a baby the other day I was with my friends and there was a baby there and I was just like why are you all beg friending a baby like it's so extra like they will be like oh my god I want the baby to love me I'm like the baby's not gonna remember you like why are you beg friending a baby I got to a point Scarlett where I just I just turned my back on the baby and I was talking to one of my best friends earlier about this and I was just saying you know like obviously I'm sure it will be different when one of my best friends has a baby because then I'll be like this is basically my baby but I'm getting a bit frustrated and I can't work out if this is because I'm single again and so I'm not in that position but I don't really know if I was ever like this even when I was in a relationship if I was like fantasizing about having children in this like what I see is kind of a tragic way of like, have a baby, but don't make a fucking big deal out of it. It's just a baby. Like when I have a baby, if I'm at a pub and people are giving the baby more attention than me, I'm going to be like, guys, you shouldn't be doing that. Cause the baby's like, not going to remember this when it's older. It's not going to remember that you were giving it this much, much attention. Whereas I will, I will go home and be like, they're obsessed with a baby. <laughs> I could not agree more. Like, we're both at this really weird age and I think lockdown has definitely made people like speed up like young women especially have sped up on this trajectory towards wanting and having kids but I was in lockdown with a lot of kids I live in a very small community we were in lockdown with a lot of kids a lot of my friends have babies I'm really sorry and I love my friends that have babies but I find babies so boring I find kids so boring I don't want to hang out with kids I don't want to pretend I like kids I don't I want to talk to grown-ups I do not want to talk to kids I know this is the thing like I'm definitely gonna have kids but like no time soon and we all on this day that we were with a baby we all decided none of us are having kids until we're 32 and we all promised that because I was like I'm not doing this thing of like everyone's gonna start doing it and then it's gonna be this awkward thing of like oh you have to leave or you can't do this because you've got a baby like it's so it sounds really bad but I think that's childish like I think people should grow up a bit and be like actually you're not ready to have a baby it does change your life and it can be fucking boring 
And there's this shame, like, I feel there's this huge shame in loads of things of like, because that trajectory is like, move in with your partner, have a baby, like be together forever. Like good, that's really lovely if, if that does work out for you. But why are you pushing that narrative on me? You know, like I'll say hi to a baby and be like, hello baby, hope you're okay. And then I'll go back to my adult conversation. And when I have a baby, I'm gonna be like, hello baby, I hope you're okay. But when the baby like cries loads, I'm gonna be like, you're not actually that sad. Like let's let's not pretend that you're really that sad. You just are spoiled. And that's yes. what I'm gonna be like. And if I'm not like but, that, call me up on my bullshit. But I think you've really hit something like obviously baby is the end point of this path that a lot of people go down which is absolutely fair and absolutely great which is you know boyfriend engagement wedding baby but I I, and if you choose to take that path it's completely fine but like I'm single I've never had a long-term boyfriend I've never like been in a full relationship and I do often feel like I am being sort of left out or judged and maybe it's a lot of it maybe a lot of it's like me putting it on myself but I I also do have friends who like the way that they hang out is like them and their boyfriends and they hang out and their boyfriends hang out and they have you know groups where it's them and their boyfriends and and I was talking to a friend about this recently and it's like I sometimes feel ashamed of the fact that when my friends ask me what I've been up to I talk about work or I talk about other friends or I talk about like things I've been doing because I feel what they're just waiting for is for me to find a partner and be with that partner and it's just a really it's a really odd world it's just an odd thing I find it I find it hard to talk about but I also more and more recently have just been finding it really really hard and it's been making me feel really insecure and really like less than and ashamed because I do have a lot of these do you just know a lot of people that I know would sort of see me as a more successful person if I was in a relationship? Yeah, but that those people are not good people to have in your life. No, like, I, sorry, I, that's completely brutal. But it is true, Scarlett, because like, I'm not saying that, but I just do think that if ever in my life I felt judged on those things, then it's like, but they're projecting. The whole part of this is it's all about projection. So people who are in like happy settled relationships thinking about having a baby they are jealous of people who are free and who are mm. not because you always do to some extent think am I making the right decision like is me having a baby and settling down with this person the right thing to do no one is always 100% sure of their decisions because that's just like the that's what being human is mm. but what people should never do is like project that on anyone else because so, I you know I've been in a long-term relationship and for loads of parts of that relationship, I was like, I want to have babies with this person one day, but like, I'm not going to rush into that. And I'm not going to tell other people that that's what they should do. Like, you know, the other day, did I tell you about that girl? No, we haven't spoken. <laughs> so I met someone, this would have driven you mad. I met someone, I'm not going to be too specific because they might listen to this podcast, but I met someone and me and my friend are both going through breakups and we were talking to this girl. Then we met another girl where we were who'd had gone through a really awful breakup. She'd been cheated on. It was awful. And me and my friend said to this girl we'd met, I'm so sorry that happened to you. The other girl who we'd just met who had not just gone through a breakup, who's been in a long-term relationship, she goes to the three of us. She goes, guys, 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 you're doing this all wrong. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but like, you just need to find the one. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh my are God. you joking? And I got so angry at her because I was like, fuck you. Like, you can't fucking say that to anyone because first of all, when you meet someone, you might think they're the one. When you're with someone, you think they're the one. Until they're not. That's just how it goes. To say Anyone I've ever had a crush on. I think anyone I've ever had a crush on is the one. Yeah. Exactly. Like, there are so many people in my head right now that I fantasise as being the one. But to say to someone, just meet the one. It's like, thanks, Susan. I never thought of that before. I'm just going to pluck the one from the floor. And that's what I mean. I'm I'm not saying that any of those people in your life, I just don't like it when people who are in like long-term relationships project their bullshit onto you basically yeah I agree I and I also think a lot, no I think you're right and I think a lot of it is me projecting stuff on myself like you know we're coming out of lockdown and I do think there's this societal idea that it's like hot girl summer you know we haven't been able to date for a year and now we're meant to be dating and like I don't really want to date right now I find it really stressful like I you know, find the app stressful, like it mm, takes they a lot are. Of emotional energy. They are, and it takes a lot of my emotional energy. And I've just come out of a really, really dark patch with my mental health, and like I'm really trying to protect myself at the moment. But I think I'm falling prey to this hot girl summer like myth where I'm like, fuck, I should be out, I should be dating, I should be clubbing, I should be drinking and the truth is I don't really want to do those things I'm really happy right now but I get insecure that I should be doing those things yeah I completely get that and I think you know I'm insecure that I should have stayed with my ex-boyfriend and we should be having a baby right now because like I look at what people are doing that I'm not doing yeah and then I'm like fuck that because it's all about how I see myself and I think the main thing that you said there is you're really happy at the moment so why do you need to do anything else? Like, that's a huge cause for celebration. You're happy. You don't need to do anything. Like, I there's know. nothing and it would be you one need thing. to do. There have been times in my life where, like, I really wanted to be with someone. And in those cases, like, I did try and put myself out there and all that. That's different. But at the moment, I don't. I don't. Mm. I'm kind of fine. I've got a great vibrator. I've got great friends. Yeah. You've I've got, got a great dog. dog. I definitely don't want a fucking baby. Like, no, I, I know. <laughs> can you even imagine? I mean, Jesus Christ. So um, that concept is so stressful to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I ever even want kids. Like, I've spent a lot of time with kids in my life, and whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just so anyway, it's a we've gotten the, the bugbears off. Um, I'm glad we we are in the same place. Um, and anyone listening, I don't want you to feel you're personally under attack if you are in a happy relationship and having a baby. I think all power to you. Just don't project your bullshit onto other people. That's yeah. all I think. It's just don't don't project and don't think that, you know, you're single. I sometimes feel like it's all me. It's all my own insecurities. It's all me projecting. But, like, your single friends are fine, you know. Yeah. Oh, my not. God. Also don't tell someone to find the one because I will <laughs> slap you. Like I will hit you yeah. if you tell me to find the one, you know, that's like yeah. being like, Oh, your mum has cancer. She should just not have cancer. Yeah. Like what? You can't say shit just, like that. I was just talking to one of my best friends who's much older. And I was sort of saying like that I feel insecure about not dating and all this stuff. Um, 
and she was like I just think you're avoiding the bullshit she was like all that shit that I went through in my 20s like all those terrible people took me so long to recover from and she was like you've got enough going on you don't need you're just avoiding those terrible relationships you know yeah very interesting anyway speaking of terrible relationships to avoid I watched a documentary called The Housewife and the Hustler. Now, can we just first of all, to anyone listening, Scarlett has um, a huge privilege in that she can access, she's she's magic, okay? She's a transatlantic unicorn, so she can access this documentary. Um, and she's basically going to orally tell you what happens, because we might not be able to in this country watch it for a, a very long time. So let me hear what you learned from The Housewife and The Hustler. Yeah, so The Housewife and The Hustler is a documentary on the American streaming platform Hulu. It was made by ABC News. It's very much like they made this thing very quickly. It is about Tom Girardi and Erica Jane and Tom's awful dealings and his divorce. Um, I studied coding at university. I have spent huge amounts of my time, money, internet bandwidth, figuring out how to access American um, TV shows. My mum is convinced if I talk about this publicly, I'll get arrested. I think it's fine. But I did manage to watch this and I'm here to convey it. Okay. It's really good, actually. It's really well made. They've got really good talking heads. Um, They've got really good research and background. The main takeaway from this documentary is how horrific the crimes that Tom Girardi committed were like I think it's really tough when tabloid news stories are about very complex legal issues because often they're things we don't understand and so I wasn't really sure what Tom had done or why it was so bad but Grace when I tell you what he did was horrific shall I tell you (laughs) yes please and I want like a scale like because when we talk horrific like that means it's really not just some fucking petty crime no 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 okay so one thing I didn't realize is that Tom really was like this hero lawyer he was the lawyer on the Aaron Brockovich case yeah that's what I knew of him but they said that was actually the biggest lawsuit of its kind he was the guy that avenged the little guy like he was the person that came in when people had been terribly hurt by big companies and the government and he avenged them a really clever line that they say in the documentary is Tom was the person suing the man he wasn't supposed to be the man and the thing that they say throughout this documentary is he'd always been splashy like his business wasn't very rich but they were a very splashy company they had these big parties they you know had big champagne and private jets and all this stuff So everyone knew within the lawyer industry that he was splashy. But until Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, that really like Beverly Hills is a part of this case, because once Erica got on Real Housewives, that was when the world started to look at him and go, wait a minute, this isn't adding up like he shouldn't have this much money. That's he what I said. Be this flashy. Yeah, but it really was Housewives like Housewives took him down because housewives was where suddenly everyone was going wait why does he have two plays when you say everyone everyone do you mean like people that he'd done wrong who were watching housewives or just the general public 
no, people he'd done wrong, the lawyer industry, like other lawyers were watching right. this show and going, he should not have this much money. That much money. Yeah. Yeah. So what Tom did is he was a lawyer for victims. The victims are interviewed in this and it's so terrible what they've been through. Like there's one man who's a really central part of it and he was in this terrible house fire. His whole body was burnt. He's got to have like 30 surgeries a year still, even though it's been 10 years. And Tom came and met him and his mum in hospital and was like, this shouldn't have happened. This is the gas company's fault. I'm going to get you a huge settlement. So that was exactly the kind of thing he did. He also, another one they really focus on is the Ryanair plane crash in Indonesia. He went to the site in the Philippines after this crash and went to the orphans of people where both their parents had died in this crash and said, I'm going to get you money. I'm going to get you a settlement. He would get these, he would end up winning the cases, getting these people like millions and millions and millions of dollar statements and uh, settlements. So for the boy that was in the house fire, the company, the gas company ended up paying, you know, 10 million or something because he's never going to be able to work again. And Tom would then say, I'm going to put the money from that you just won from the government or from this company into a trust because these are very normal people and you can't just suddenly give them like $30 million into their, you know, checking account. That's very normal. The money normally goes in a trust. But what normally happens after that is that then they set up this thing where you get, you know, a million a year for 30 years. It's all automated. It's all fine. Tom would then say to them, I'm really good with investments. I'm really good with money. Look how rich I am. Why don't you let me invest the money that you just got given in the settlement? And then I'll make you more money from it. And then you'll have even more money. And the people are like, great, sure. We've just been through this huge trauma. Like we trust this very rich man. So he would start investing the money that the victims of these accidents had won from the government and then he'd stop giving them money and then he just started spending that money but then when did they start being like where's my money they all started realizing it so he would they would email him or call him and be like tom like you were meant to pay us like you know where's our money i need the boy from the surgery the boy from the fire is like i need another surgery like i need the money And it sounds like Tom was just so manipulative. Like the guy said he'd call him and be like, are you angry at me? Are you angry at me? Are you mad at me? And he'd be like, no, it's okay. I just need the money. And then Tom would say, Tom had this judge figure that he'd talk about all the time. And he'd be like, the judge for some reason doesn't want to give you the money. This judge for some reason is delaying. This judge, the judge never had anything to do with the cases he was nothing to do with it Tom had just spent the money Tom invested millions into Erica's entertainment firm so Erica's got her own entertainment company like Erica Jane yeah LLC yeah Tom put the money so when he was told these victims that he was investing their money he was putting it straight into Erica's company insane it's so I mean it's just so manipulative like I don't think I just quite realized that he's literally just spending but I think as well like what's so wild with that like him then manipulating them and being like oh you that's what a fucking 
abusive boyfriend does, first of all. I know. What must he have been like to be married to? I know. And, is... and the thing is that with these with these victims, like they have horrific PTSD from what they've been through. Like there's the one guy who was orphaned because of the Ryanair crash is like, I was so confused. I was an orphan. I was having to raise my siblings. This white man from America who's got his own plane comes over. You obviously completely trust him. Like both of us, you know, I've suffered with PTSD for a long time. PTSD makes it very hard to like understand what's going on with your life, understand like, you know, none of these people knew how to face him. They were all just so like intimidated by him. And he was so nice. And he'd say to all of them, like, you're my favorite client ever. I love you. I feel like your family, like blah, blah, blah. He was so manipulative. And then he just spent all their money. At one point, they say that they think he spent over a hundred million dollars in cash that's just gone now. He claims at the moment that he has no money. He spent all the money these people had. Like, he spent everything on Erica. So, so, so coming, because basically, obviously, I haven't watched the documentary, and then today I was reading and watching some clips where Andy Cohen got asked about it, like, yesterday on his radio show, and he mm. was basically saying that, that obviously what Tom's done is awful, but that in the documentary, the people they had were, like, other housewives, like, that woman Dana apparently was in it, you know, the one with the 25,000 pair of sunglasses yeah, I mean, dollar pair of sunglasses and he was just like the fact that like he they've got quite like unreliable sources vouching for like Erica being part of it yeah so That's this is the saying. real this is the really interesting part apparently there have been allegations for over 40 years that Tom has been doing this but the California bar which is like the authority of illegal stuff ignored it for 40 years there's a statement from them at the end that's like we should have taken this seriously when we first heard about it so this has been there's been a rumor in like the LA, in the legal circles in LA, that Tom was doing this, but no one ever looked into it. And it was only after Housewives that people started properly looking into it. There is Why no do you think he then let her do it then? It's so weird. Okay, so this is what's so interesting. There's no definitive proof in the documentary that Erica knew. Like, she, he was giving her lots of money, but she thought he was really rich. He told her she was really rich. They definitely have these housewives in the documentary that I think are just filler and shouldn't have been in it, mm. who are kind of trying to make this link. But no one can, so far, no one's been able to prove that Erica knew about it. I didn't realize how insane their marriage was. Like they met at a country club in LA and got married on that day in the country club. He looked around the country club and said, is there a judge or a lawyer in this um, country club who can marry us? And there was a judge there that was like, yeah, I'll do it. They got married. Oh, that that's day. so no gross. Prenups, no anything. I know. So they got married the day they met. He clearly like fell head over heels for her. He clearly loved that he had this glamorous, amazing, sexy young wife and it's really weird. There are these clips from that I hadn't seen before that aren't from Beverly Hills, but are like him and her doing a house tour. And you can just tell how like insanely smitten he is of her, how proud he is. He's talking about her career. He's talking about her. He's like showing her off, you know, and she was clearly like, great. This guy loves me. He's got this really mm. fancy life. Tom was already living a very splashy, glamorous life before he met Erica as part of how he wooed her. And I. I what I saw and this might be wrong but I saw a man that 
has been doing horrific, terrible things for a long time and just got over his head in it. Like once you start keeping up a certain lifestyle, you have to carry that on. And it's just well, I really think especially it's just like men who are so bad at admitting when they think they've done something wrong or when they think they've gone too far and they just get too deep did you know like I was just reading about this and I find this so funny that Erica's ex-husband's called Tom her son's called Tom and her now husband's called Tom so it's Tom Girardi her son's called Tommy and her ex is called Thomas (laughs) that's I that's really funny the first five boys I kissed the first five boys I kissed were all called James so I really I really understand you relate. that. Yeah. I relate, yeah. Um, I once got with three Georges in a row, to be fair. I was like, it's my year of George. <laughs> um, but um, I do think there's that really toxic part of being a man, which is like, oh, I'm just going to do something really dodgy and steal money from really innocent, awful, hard-done-by people. Um, I'm just going to do it once. But then you get yeah. into it, you're doing it with these other dodgy men, and you just carry on doing it, you just get deeper and deeper and deeper then you get a wife who then expects something of you and you're like I need to keep up this level of rich that we are yeah exactly and I just think I mean again if she knew it's horrific and I won't ever like support her again but I just think what he was doing was so bad that if she did know and was still being on this television show and being this public person she is a psychopath like that that's a psychopathic thing to do for her to be flaunting it in such a way if she knew and and part of me just does think she didn't know because I think if you knew you know they could have he could have kept doing what he was doing and they could have kept up this lifestyle and she could have just not been famous and probably no one would have ever called him out on it um well that's what I don't get and that's where you you definitely I'm completely agreeing with you because I think he probably let her do that because he like loves her so much and wants her career to thrive and being on Real Housewives has been amazing for her but it's such a stupid move from him he must have somewhere known that this was going to be a huge risk that's what I mean it's a stupid move from him but it would have been a psychopathic move from her which is which is why I I don't think she knew because it would have just fucked up their game like if she knew and they wanted to yeah. keep doing no, they'd, it, she, they'd, she could have they'd just keep not them. Like they'd be they're not a TV hiding. show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'd just be having a nice, rich, horrible, bad energy life. You know, it's it's really interesting. I wrote down this statement at the end of watching the documentary, which is really my takeaway, which is you can't get rich from activism, and I think that's the core problem with Tom. Like, if he wanted to be a billionaire, he could have become a dark lawyer that like represented dodgy people and made millions he wanted to be this hero activist lawyer that helped the little guy and avenged the big guys and saved the world and had movies made about him but you cannot if you're gonna do those kind of good deeds you cannot get crazy rich and I think this is something we see like again and again and again is if you want to get rich, don't also do activism. Like, you know, it's like people that work for charities and take too much money or it's like, whatever it is, it's just, 
he wanted but to also you're just so too. gonna get caught eventually because like you know and that's what i said when erica first came into real housewives i remember so well being like okay she's being like he was aaron the aaron brockovich lawyer like what a great guy he is and i'm like so why the fuck is your walls like paved with gold like that's not the level of rich you get from being the good lawyer like i know no, that I know. for a fact but I also so I it's don't dumb that they, they getting... splashed it around like that because it's so obvious. Except I think some people think they can have it both ways. Like I think he was this good guy lawyer who was like, I also want to be rich. And it's if you want to be rich, don't be the good guy lawyer. Like be the bad guy. I just it just makes yeah, me so angry. But that's so what I'm saying. Angry. I'm just saying like it, it to me as like a random stranger to them. I thought it was weird when I first saw their house. I was like, I don't get it. I don't get how they yeah. are that rich. I remember saying this to my friends. Like it's so baffling because she's got like this huge glam school, but he's just like a lawyer. And then you saw his firm, and their offices aren't like hugely swanky, but he's got this insane house, and they've yeah. got like ma- a mad like opulent life. And I just think it was really stupid of him to like show it off in that way. But you know. He's now claiming no, he's was, senile. But I, oh yeah, and the senile thing, I mean, they talk about that at the end of the documentary. They're like, he was not senile a week ago. I think that really is. But I just think he was head over heels for her. And I think once she started asking for things, he couldn't say no. And he got himself in this just terrible position. Like, it's so hard to watch. Something else they say, which is really interesting, which, which is that the lawyers pursuing this case are watching Real Housewives right now. Like, everything in Real Housewives right now is evidence. And Erica knows that. And she is doing this season very much on purpose. Um, I also I wonder I how think- much, like, involvement her team have with the act. Because Andy Cohen was really weird when he got asked about it on this show. He obviously looks really nervous. Because I feel like they're probably breaking Bravo's balls to, like, get all editorial. Because if it is going to be that big a deal... Bravo doesn't do that. Because this is not the first time, like, a Real Housewife has gone to jail. Teresa from New Jersey went to jail. Yeah, no, I know. I was reading about that the other day. Like, yeah. Bravo, like, the thing that sets Bravo apart from E! and these other things where the people in the shows have a lot more of a hand in the production, Bravo really, it's like... Andy's in charge of everything and the Real Housewives however much they beg don't get a say but I think Erica knows that and she's just like look I'm gonna show my truth or my not truth or whatever her truth really is she knows what she's doing because she could have just left the show um something else I thought was really interesting two things this obviously this documentary came out in line with the episode of Real Housewives where all this stuff is going to kick off which is interesting but also, I hadn't clocked that Erica and Tom announced their divorce on the day of the American election, which is such a thing. Like, I don't know if you know this, but this is a tabloid thing where people announce their divorces on big days. Like on Thanksgiving, if you search divorce on American Thanksgiving, there'll be about five couples that announce their divorce on Thanksgiving because they're hoping that it gets Those lost in the news cycle. So it was just all so calculated and horrible. So let's talk I about wonder, the episode. Sorry, I was just going to say, I wonder if it was lockdown that that made Erica realise what Tom was doing, because he probably couldn't hide it as much when he was in lockdown. But I thought, I mean, I don't know if they, I thought it was just because like she found out because this was all about to come out. Yeah, yeah, maybe. 
So he had to be like, you know, if she didn't yeah. know, he would have had to be like, look, this is about to come out. You can't get blindsided. And yeah. then she would have been like, right, I can have to divorce you then. I mean, Goodbye. it's just so bad. Like, it's just, it's just, I just couldn't believe what a, like, proper crime it is. Like, when they're talking to the mum of this boy that was in the fire and when they're talking to the orphans, like, it's, it's very sad. I mean, it's, yeah, it's evil. It's like a heinous, how do I say that word? Heinous? Heinous. Heinous. It's an evil, evil, evil crime. Yeah. And he should go to prison for the rest of his life, which isn't very long. Um, yeah. Like, that's there's just a, what should happen. We'll talk about the episode, but there's a very funny moment in this episode where Garcelle goes, I don't understand why they don't just wait. Why she doesn't just wait to divorce him. And I know, like, what I do you mean? What do you mean? Why was everyone pretending they didn't get what she was saying? Like, she was, it was so obvious what she was saying. They were being like, huh? Can somebody explain the joke to me? I don't get it. It's like, obviously she's being like, she could have inherited so much money. Oh, I think they thought she was referring to lawsuit stuff. No, 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 no. They, they were just all like they didn't know. pretending playing dumb because yeah. that's like such a crude thing to say but it's true yeah um okay let's talk about this episode weirdly erica's in erica's name is in the title but erica is not in this episode no, it's I just know. it's a re- it's a bit of a filler episode i didn't enjoy it much i didn't like it i just thought like but, but right at the beginning they show this bit of her on her way to this lunch but then mm. you never get to that point in the episode where she arrives at Sutton's lunch. So that's why I, wa- I was watching the episode at eight o'clock this morning and it just suddenly ended. And I was like, what? Yeah. That's the end. It was so weird. It was like literally in the middle of a conversation at Sutton's lunch and then it ended. So it was a filler episode. It was like the American election episode. They all went to Carl's house, which looked like the worst way to spend that evening. Like, thank God. It made I me feel there. nauseous. It was vile. I, I, that was one of the obviously one of the worst nights ever because we didn't know who'd won. It looked like Trump was winning. But watching them all at fucking Kyle's house and like Kyle made everyone dress patriotically, it was it truly made me feel a bit sick. I hated watching it. I hated the whole thing, and I just want to say, um, this was a very filler episode. But the thing that one of the only storylines in this episode, really, Erica nothing actually happened was Dorit mm-hmm. and Carl having another ridiculous argument about nothing but I will say this uh, Dorit has such a point and I stand by this thing of like I really hate it when people interrupt me like repeatedly it's fine if you do it occasionally and like I get I interrupt people but people who are repeat interrupters offenders it really grates on me and she obviously lost her rag because Carl's one of those people who just loves to like get involved in everything and like have her little hand in like every single conversation and like always be a part of a narrative, but always be the good person in the situation. And Dorit finally snapped and was like, you know what, Carl, fuck you. Stop interrupting me. And Carl was like, if you speak to me like that one more time, I don't want to be a friend anymore. And Dorit was like, okay, bye. Um, it was just ridiculous. And I just think Carl, like she just needs to grow up a bit. She needs to like stop and take accountability for her own behavior. Um, and that I felt triggered by on Dorit's account. Because I was like, imagine having an argument with someone who's just not listening to you in this way. That's what it was like. I completely agree. And I think this season we are seeing Dorit come into her own. Like, I think part of the reason Kyle has always, and she has always interrupted Dorit, is because I think her 
and Lisa Vanderpump thought Dorit was stupid. Like, there was definitely this idea for the last two seasons that Dorit's stupid and she's an airhead and she goes on and on and on and on, you know? And there was that line a while ago when Erica was like, you say loads of stuff, but it doesn't mean anything. And we saw this clip in this episode of Kyle being like, Dorit, you never shut up or something. And I think Dorit's like, these girls have been mean to me for so long. Kyle, who everyone thinks is so nice, always interrupts me, is always mean to me. I always take it and I'm not taking it anymore. And I think Dorit knows now that she's got Garcelle and she's got Crystal and she's got these new housewives and she doesn't need but to But also that she on. has actually a lot of the viewers have like really come to like love yeah. Dorit. So she can just dumb. say... No, she's not dumb. Like, you know, she says hilarious things. Like, there's a bit in this episode where she's, like, leaving to go to the Sutton's, like, Parisian-themed brunch. And she's like, you know, I can't believe we're going to be eating, like, caviar. You know, in in, in in Paris, they all eat croissants at this time of day. It's like, she's so proud to be like, I know what Parisians eat for breakfast. But, like, I love her because I saw in that episode when she's like, goodbye, Carl. It was a bit like when Lisa Vanderpump breaks up with Carl. It was like... I'm leaving now. I can't be fucked with this. And Kyle's like, you're actually leaving because Kyle cannot handle it when people don't just like crow around her and listen to exactly what she wants and like stay at her fucking boring election party. She can't handle it. There was a line that Kyle said at the end of this episode, which I wrote down because I think it defines Kyle and why she's so annoying. She was, they were talking about mum jeans and she goes, she oh. was like, it's so weird. I used to hate mum jeans. Like, everyone used to hate mum jeans, but now they're cool. And she goes, they're ugly, but everyone's wearing them. So I have to too. And it was like, that is Kyle. Like, she's so obs- obsessed with pleasing everyone and sticking to a trend. And it's like, no, but they're the, ugly. But also people thinking. Them. I just think, and maybe I've already said this on this podcast, but I think there's this type of person who want to be seen as like perfect they end up being cunts because they're yeah. trying so hard that they actually end up being shit friends the people they're supposed to be friends with shit partners shit parents all of that stuff because they want everyone to think they're amazing they spread too far and that's what I think she is like yeah I have to say I don't like PK normally but PK was on pretty good form this episode yeah I agree there's a point before the election party where he goes to Dorit he's like I think you should bring this up with Kyle. Like, go for it. And he goes, just make sure I'm in the room because I want to watch. It's so funny. And then also it's at one point he's talking about Maurizio and he's like, all Maurizio does is just get high I and love like that hang out. It's so funny I love that bit. Episode. And also Crystal's husband, who made The Lion King, um, is just sitting there while they're talking about like Maurizio getting stoned and he's so out of place and uncomfortable. And I was like, poor guy. Like, poor guy doesn't know where he's just washed up. <laughs> there's also a bit in, in this episode where Crystal, that she's talking about her husband and she goes, every week my husband shows my kids another film from the 40s and I was just like oh my god I know that guy and if any man ever made me watch a film from the 40s I would murder him I would just murder him yeah I mean I would just end I would end it I wouldn't end Um, it I'd end his life so also um I just want to so there were there were like two bits that really made me laugh which was like the bit about that disgusting Hermes bag. Um, that bag oh my God, should I be know. set on fire and made 
extinct from this world. It's the most ugly thing I've ever seen in my life, and it's ninety five thousand dollars. And no, and All I just thought like bags are horrible. Though. They're disgusting. Like, why do we? I don't even like Birkins. Like, why no, is not this such an obsession about this? Like, very basic. Like, they're the kind of bags that my mum used to wear in the noughties. and I'd be like, Mum, you're not a secretary. Like, why are you wearing a bag so basic? Like, that's what those bags look like to me. Yeah, Birkins are just the ultimate. It's the ultimate Kyle bag. It's the ultimate like. I don't, I'm. I've got this because I don't actually have taste. I just want to be seen as as doing rich. the right thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So that was disgusting and an <laughs> eyesore for me. And then also, I just every time I see Harry Hamlin, I just want to find a man just like him. <laughs> oh That's my all God. I'm gonna say. I just I want a hippie was... who grows his own vegetables and just loves yeah. me being a psychopath. <laughs> And compost. That's what we found out Harry yeah. Hamlin compost in this episode. Um, the other, I guess, like big moment in the episode is Crystal is talking to the girls at the cursed election party, and she says, "I was so stressed on the weekend with Sutton that I came home and I'd lost loads of weight." And I, the, their reaction to it made me so upset and angry. Like they're all like oh my god well you should thank Sutton then for being no, I know. racist it was awful. you because she helped you lose weight and then Crystal opened up about having had meeting disorder and I d- I actually thought it was a really good moment like so often housewives are not honest about their issues with food and I just thought she was really intelligent and amazing about it and I'm so glad she called them out on that moment because it was such a typical housewives moment to like you know praise someone for losing weight and she was like yeah and she was like no 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 like this is bad and I I just thought it was really well I think no 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 it was really powerful because the thing is like we are still not in a place where people understand how harmful it is to comment on someone losing weight in the same way that it's harmful yeah when you comment on someone putting on weight, they are exactly the same thing. They have exactly the same effect on people. So why why haven't we come that far? And that that's why that was an amazing moment because then other people, like the way Kathy Hilton goes from being like, well, you should thank Sun to being like, wow, you're so brave for sharing that with us. It was like literally like, <laughs> come on, honey, you've just shamed her. That's why she's saying it. And now you're like, you're so brave. Like, I, I hope know. they all learn something from that. And I hope people watching can see that, like, you don't say shit like that. When someone says, I lost five pounds in the weekend, you're like, fuck, you must have been going through, like, some stress. Like, that's your initial reaction, not, oh, my Completely. God, give that on an OBE. Yeah, like, I I mean, I have lots of issues with anxiety makes me very nauseous. Like, I vomit every time I have a panic attack. Um, And so, for me, always, like, not eating or losing weight is equated to me having had a really shit time because when I'm anxious my stomach just like closes up and everything makes me sick and I think I was just I was just so ready for it for them to be like ha 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 well I'm so glad something was racist you lost weight and then I just loved I'm really loving Crystal I love that she I love that sort of I love her I love her um I really do and I think without her this series would be diabolical yeah, and I just think she's so intelligent and, like, aware of... I think she's really aware of, like, being on TV and what she wants to tell the public, you know? She's, like, making really good points about race and eating disorders and, you know, an interracial family. And, like, I just think she's she's really, like, 
she's very clever she's very clever very yeah um so anything else you want to talk about on that episode I don't think so I mean I've got a few other tv shows I want to talk about but I found that episode really quite boring yes I have actually been consuming for once lots this week yay yeah you've been watching this week okay so I'm doing research for this thing I'm writing which is like a sort of spoof of like a detective Scooby-Doo it's like if Scooby-Doo met skins basically and so I've been watching loads so I watched Burn After Reading which I'd never seen before which is a fucking incredible Mm. film I've never seen that I'm gonna recommend things that you know haven't just come out but Burn After Reading (laughs) was actually phenomenal and um it's got the most incredible cast and it's such a good story and Brad Pitt plays the the most like adorable idiot and there's so many great twists in it then I watched this other film that I was told to watch, watch research, which you've probably seen, which came out last year, The Gentleman, um, which I, I didn't love so much. Um, it was, I think, Guy Ritchie made it, and it was, like, also Oh, I didn't watch that. I didn't gangster, watch that. Gangster, kind bad. of English, but, like, I could have made it so much better. And then <laughs> the last thing I've been consuming is this new podcast, which I'm obsessed with. I've been going through such a hard time, and it's Vogue Williams and Joanne McNamally and they're Irish women and they just have the best crack as they would say they just literally take the piss they know each other so well and they like they talk about so much stuff that makes me feel so much better about like where I'm at in my life like today they were saying they were talking about ex-boyfriends they're both in their mid-30s and I didn't know they're like old best friends like they've known each other for a really long time they're both in their mid-30s. They were saying, you know, like, they were basically saying at some point you always go back to your ex-boyfriend and sometimes more than once. And I was like, oh, thank God. I'm not the only person who's done that. I'm not a freak. They just, it's really fun. It's called My Therapist Ghosted Me. And it's just made me feel really much happier in, like, quite a lonely, isolating week. I love that. I'm sorry you've had a bad week. but Don't worry. You've also really been can't... very, very great. Podcast, <laughs> thanks. Not just Vogue Williams, also yeah. me. Okay. Um, podcasts can be like the best company. I found myself the other day being like, my friend said this the other day, and then someone's like, who's your friend? And I was actually just talking about podcasts. Yeah. Um, Burn after reading. I actually haven't seen the film, but I've read the book, and the book is also really good. I can thoroughly. Right. Oh no, sorry. Okay, Burn after reading. Burn after reading isn't a book. That's wrong. I was thinking about. Um, What's that one with Claire Danes in about lesbians? I don't remember. <sighs> don't know. I liked that after reading the film. I watched that on a date recently and it was good. Yeah, loved um, it. It's a good date film actually because boys really like it. Boys love it. I was actually talking to a guy on Hinge and while I was watching it and I was like, oh, I'm just watching Burn After Reading. And he was like, wow, great film. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what I have been consuming this week, very oddly... Queer Eye, which has obviously been delayed for its new season because of COVID, released this half hour YouTube video, which is the Queer Eye guys in a kitchen eating guacamole and just chatting. And I didn't know I wanted that, but I really did. It's really adorable. Amazing. They just talk. They talk about the show. They they go. It's actually really cool. If you're a fan of Queer Eye, they're basically talking about like, what it's like when they're faced with someone racist and how they felt about everything in lockdown and like it they go really deep it's really interesting they're really like open and honest about their own experiences making this show and it just made I love Queer Eye and it made me miss them and like 
they are all really intelligent and really political and like it's a really good video I'll post it in the thing I've also the complete opposite I've been watching 90 Day Fiance have you ever seen 90 Day Fiance I have but I haven't like binged it it's like maybe the darkest side of reality it's the darkest corner of reality tv it is so insane and chaotic and dark it's basically about people in America who find fiancés from other countries and there's this thing called the k1 visa where you if you're engaged you get a k1 visa and they can come over to America but unless they get married in 90 days they have to go home so the show is tracking these engagements and it's so dark some of the people are so horrific like it they show about five couples per season and the stuff that happens you can't believe you're watching it like but it is really fun and I, I love found a really good stuff season. like that because it's really a good like it's a good reminder of like how fucking shit lots of people's like relationship circumstances are. Oh my are. god, I know. It's so, so great. Much of it is like these 60-year-old white guys with these 20-year-old fiancés and then like there's this one man in this season who kicks his daughter kicks his 16-year-old daughter out his house because his fiancé doesn't like her and she's like homeless basically and it's like on the streets and he's he just is so overwhelmed with his love for this 20 year old woman I mean, it's so horrible what like, is wrong with what is I know. wrong with people I know but then some of them are sweet and like and all and there's a lot of like racist families that don't like the fiancés and then you see people like grapple it's it is really interesting on like racial issues and relationship issues I, I it's there's a million seasons of it I'm watching season six I do really recommend it over the other ones but um I've been watching that. I've also watched this incredible show, which again, isn't out in the UK, but it's out in America, which is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Have you heard of this? No. Oh my God, it's so cool. So it's Annie Murphy from Shit Creek, oh, who plays Alexis. Yeah. yeah oh, I've best. actually and watched the trailer for this. Oh my God, it's so cool. So basically she plays this like Midwestern wife and her husband is horrific. But when she's with him, the show is like a... Um, multi-cam sitcom so there's like a laugh track and the set looks different and it's basically like ripping apart this idea of the sitcom husband because he's horrible to her but then it's a sitcom so that's like expected and she's meant to be the butt of the joke but then the second he leaves the room you see what her actual life looks like and it's like incredibly dark incredibly bleak she's miserable and it's all about her realizing that she hates her husband and wants to kill him basically and it's oh I love it because in the trailer I was like this is amazing because she's like so versatile like she's so different from Alexis her she character incredible actress. but also even in this show she has to be versatile because in half the show she's, she's like two this, different people she's playing this sitcom wife and then in half the show she's basically playing like a woman that has been driven to madness and wants to murder her husband it's oh so that sounds like cool. my ideal like, tv program yeah and it's just amazing it's like I feel we're at this point in tv where a lot of tv is like ripping apart tv from the past and this show is basically <laughs> ripping apart like Everybody Loves Raymond, King of Queens, you know, all these yeah. shows, Two and a Half Men. It's being like, we have accepted this idea that schlubby men are horrible to their wives. And it's funny. And this is what the wife's actual life is like. It's very cool. I love it. Amazing. Well, do you know when we might be able to watch that here, us civilians? Um, <laughs> I don't. Us mere I mean, mortals. 
it will definitely be on like now tv soon i think i'll, okay, I'll try great. and find out but um great. watch the trailer because just the trailer will make you excited i think great okay um, baby well i love you okay i love you uh next time we talk i will be a year older my birthday on monday i know <laughs> not next time me and you talk but next time we talk on the podcast i was <laughs> like wait what your birthday talk. tomorrow <laughs> yeah so um, actually not in it's just my birthday um next week is your birthday yeah uh i just i think to end on a message like me and grace have both had a very tough week but we have both come out of it and i think the thing that we were reminding each other of all week is like things do get better and things um, get you better you just need to look after yourself and i cannot recommend the app i am enough like if you haven't yes. got i am all of my friends who have been in bad places recently they've now got i am and they all send me their i am it's a, it's a it's a positive affirmation every hour and it's essentially like whoever's doing it is a psychic because it always reads my mind at that exact moment it always reads my mind so like the other day I was feeling really angry at my ex-boyfriend it said I let go of blame I forgive the person who has done me wrong and I was like oh so I am if you're having a tough time it's a brilliant app I couldn't agree more I don't even like any of this self-helpy stuff and I love it look I just opened my app up I get a notification every hour and it said the past is over the best is yet to come Mine goes, I'm grateful for the, for the abundance that's about to come. And it's so oh, right. Wow. It's, so, it's right. so right. It's so right. Yeah. Because whatever you're going through right now, what is to come will be more abundant. Like that is true. You, you will, you yeah. know, we're never always happy all the time. That's just how life goes. But the best is yet to come. Whatever you're experiencing right now, it's going to get better. It's going to pass. And you're going to be so happy about Unless... the fact that you're through it. Unless you're Tom Girardi. Unless you are Tom Girardi. Yeah. The best is over. The worst <laughs> is yet to come. The worst is yet to come, but you're so old, you won't even experience so it that thanks. long. Okay, guys. Okay. Bye. Love you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.